Sup, y'all. Welcome to the Press on Sports podcast. I'm Jack Vita. Today is May 7th, 2019. It's been a while since I've podcasted. So before we get to the action today, which will be a MLB season preview, long overdue, one month late, I'm going to tell you where I've been and why I have not had any content out for the last few months. So in mid-February, I had thyroid surgery. My thyroid was removed as a way to treat Graves' disease, an autoimmune disease that has been affecting my life for the last few years. So I've been slowly recovering. I'm not quite back at 100%, but I'm well enough to podcast. So I'm back in the game, baby. Let's do it. So... Uh, Today is going to be a great podcast. I've got Jordan Morandini joining me in just a second. We're going to talk about everything with the MLB season preview. And this is going to be a little bit of a different preview from the one we did last year because because of my health, we weren't able to record a season preview before the season starts as we normally do for these. But we're going to this will be a little bit of a hybrid of the picks that we've made, we locked in our picks before the season started, and we'll also react to a little bit of what we've seen over the first month of the season. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. And I've got Jordan right now. Jordan, how's first place? Ah, uh, that's the intro. Jack, you were hyping up this intro for the past 10 minutes. Hey, first place is phenomenal. Uh, I would ask you the same question. I don't think that's the case anymore after last night. (laughs) Well, I would not be in first place because I am a journalist. Uh, Oh, you're going to pull that card? (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some National League. Let's do it. Let's start with your division. The good old NL East. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Let's, I'm just going to, I, I, I told before I brought you in, I, I told the folks at home that what we're doing is a little bit of a hybrid format because the season already started, mm-hmm. but you and I locked in our picks. We yeah. have stood by those picks. We'll, we'll incorporate a little bit of what we've seen over the last month into mm-hmm. this, yep. which I think will be a fun little wrinkle, fun little talking point. How has the NL East held up compared to what you were expecting, Jordan? Because there was a lot of hype on this division. I didn't quite buy into the hype, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, it's a good question, honestly. Um, I think, for the most part, it's been a lot like I figured it was going to be. Now, there's some teams in this division, like the Nationals, for example, who have had a very injury-riddled season so far, especially in terms of their 1 through 8. Where they've lost Rendon for extended periods. They've lost a couple other guys. Trey Uh, Turner. Trey Turner, another one, yeah, for a couple games here. And they've started to fall off a little bit. But I do think, for the most part, this division, Jack, is pretty much where I kind of expected it. I thought the Phillies and the Braves would probably be the top two teams, especially depending on um, the health of the Mets, which has, you know, kind of fallen off. And, of course, the Nationals as well. I think... When you looked at this division initially, it's a division with a lot of upside, but it's a division with a couple teams that could very easily falter. Um, and I think so far that's kind of stood true with the Phils. And I guess the Braves, you know, one game over 500, excelling kind of early in the season. And then you have the Mets and Nats, um, you know, who have faltered a little bit. 
Nats got off to a solid start. They're down to 14 and 20. And then I think it's pretty clear the Marlins are the worst team in this division. And I think yes. maybe the worst yes. team in all of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the Marlins are the only team in the National League coming into this year that I think did not make any moves that indicated that they were trying to compete this year. Oh, no, that's how I read the Marlins. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they honestly, they do have some pieces like when we're looking forward and we're saying, okay, well, you know, three years down the road, who's going to be at the top or at the top for the Marlins. They have some good pieces. I like, I like Caleb Smith. Yeah. I like a lot of their young arms. Um, I like Caleb Smith. I like Jose Urena. Um, They've got a couple other young arms in the rotation. You look at their everyday players, though, Jack, and it's like, eh, you know, they, they <laughs> traded for Jorge Alfaro, who I think is a good bat behind the plate. Um, he's a former Phil, of course, um, but not good defensively. You look at some of their other everyday bats, you know, the Starling Castros of the world, the Neil Walkers. These guys have kind of been all over the place. Um, Curtis Granderson is, is still somehow <laughs> starting every day, um, in the league. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely some promising points, but I'm with you. It's not like this team was going to try to win now or win this season for that matter. And that's what I think makes the national league so interesting this year is the fact that there's 14 out of 15 teams mm-hmm. that made at least some sort of move or, even they didn't have to make a move because they're already a good team. Mm-hmm. You saw, well, we'll get around to some of these other divisions, but we saw the Reds, we saw the Padres, teams at the bottom, yep. the Mets in this division, making some splashes over the winter and, uh, you know, very slow moving winter, of course. <laughs> it's still winter, by the way, here in Chicago. It's winter, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's winter everywhere in the north. <laughs> it's that time of year. Yeah, so I think that makes it really interesting. To tell you the truth, Jordan, I thought this division was really overhyped coming into the season. When you say overhyped, de- describe why. Well, I... I know that the there were two divisions that people really seem to be talking up in terms of being open. Mm-hmm. And while I think this division is open, I don't necessarily think that makes it a great division. That's fair. It seemed like everyone was saying NL Central or NL East, which is the superior division, because they were looking at there are potentially four really good teams in the NL East mm-hmm. and five potentially five teams that could be really good in the NL central, obviously in no season, are there five really good teams in the same division record wise? Mm-hmm. Cause someone's got to take the fall. <laughs> of course. But I never, I didn't quite buy into that narrative. I thought that the nationals and Mets in terms of upside, I'd say the nationals at their very best, or maybe a 90 win team in a perfect world. Mm-hmm. They have a great pitching rotation and obviously the Mets do too. But realistically, I thought these are two teams that are going to be 80 wins at or, you know, 81 and 81, 500 baseball at best, because you look at the Mets, no run support last year. Yeah, I know they got some guys, but those pitchers always get hurt. I'm always out on the Mets, though, it seems right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're never high on them. And I think it's I mean, it's completely fair given their injury history with a lot of their key guys. Um, and really their lack of production from some of the guys who, you know, a couple of years ago, people thought were going to be the next big thing. Yeah. And 
I think it's really interesting because there are two different ways you could look at the Mets pitching issues in terms of injuries. Is it that they're attracted to players that get injured more often than others because maybe they throw more max velocity and they like that hard throwing guy mm-hmm. and these are the type of players they draft or trade for in the case of Syndergaard or is it the way that they're divvying up their innings that they're not using them properly, especially after you had that public falling out with Matt Harvey Uh that started three or four years ago where he was not wanting to pitch past his innings count and they kept going with him. (laughs) Think about three or four years ago, Jack and Matt Harvey was like, he was the one in the staff. Yes. (laughs) He was the one, like he was the one that, Three, four the years down night. the road right now, he was supposed to be that big ace. <laughs> how, yeah. I mean, how far of a fall off has he had? DeGrom and Syndergaard were like rookies at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think I see where you're going here. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's good depth in this division. So I think, you know, if you have a fourth place team that has a, I did, uh, if the Nats finish fourth in this division and you have a fourth place team with upside that may win 90 games at their best. And yeah they finish with 81 wins. I mean, a fourth place team at 81 wins, that's a solid division. Um, I, I I see where you're going though. I think what you're saying here is that the tip top, so the fills, maybe, um, maybe Atlanta at their best, the tip top of this division. Do you see that as maybe not as strong as some of the other divisions here? Well, I do think, Hmm, that's a good question because that's, that's really tough Mm -hmm. because We'll go to the central in a little bit where I think there are three teams that in that division could end up as the number one team record wise in the National League Um, or representing, you know, you have three teams that could play in the World Series next year out of that division. I would agree. Or this this year. Sorry, I misspoke. Um, However, it might not show up record wise because they're not going to get to play the Marlins and the Mets 18 times each. Um Maybe I'm underselling the Mets a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should not be in the same category as the Marlins. But, <laughs> I mean, what, that's a huge handicap when you get 18 games against the Marlins. So no, I, for I, sure. I don't know. It's really tough to read in terms of record. But I just think I think it's a two-team race. I think that's how it's going to end up being. And um, I know which team you're you're taking and you're riding with. But I'm actually going with the other team. Okay, fair enough. Um it's funny when I talked about this division and I mean, we have group chats all over the places and we're talking this division every single day. Um, one of the things I thought was going to be the key to this year in this division was who took care of their games against the Marlins the best. Yeah. If there's a team that goes 13 and five against the Marlins goes 14 and four, that could, you know, that could win you the division, honestly, depending on, depending on how other teams perform against them. Um, so I look at when, when these teams are taking on the Marlins, I, I think those three game, those four game series are always very, very important, um, because they're games you won, you can't get back and they're games that every team in the division has scheduled. So I think that could definitely play a big role in this division. Um, you're right. I do like the fills here. (laughs) Um, and maybe a little bias here. And, and, you know, I, I, I like to say unbiased too here, just because, you know, I'm very critical of a lot of guys on this yeah, Phillies roster. Yeah. Um, and honestly, need be. The staff, the pitching staff, it's not one with a lot of experience. It's not one with a lot of big game experience. Um, and a lot of question marks, to be quite honest with you, Jack. One of the guys who was 
honestly marked as the number three heading into this season, Nick Pavetta. He's in AAA already. Um, and uh, heading into the season, everybody's like, break out Pavetta, break out Pavetta. It's been the same thing for three years now. Um, we were saying the same stuff heading into last season, and we're not even or maybe a little bit over a month now into the season, Pavetta's back in AAA. Um, so that's one worry I do have with my Phillies pick is you have a lot of question marks, I think, in the staff, apart from – and Aaron Nola, he's gotten off to a slow start. He started to figure it out a little bit lately. He's, he's not one I'm worried about. And I think Jake Arrieta is a consistent guy in that staff. But after that um, is definitely where some of the question mark comes in. Eikhoff's thrown well. Eflin's thrown well. You know, but how long – how consistent can these guys be throughout the year? Yeah, I think one other thing that is not going to work in Philly's favor is the pressure, the high expectations with a second-year manager who has made some questionable, uh, (laughs) (laughs) has been involved in some questionable situations, to say the least. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, completely fair to say. say. I mean, that that could be a pressure cooker situation where if this team hits a skid, Mm -hmm. you know how Philly fans are. There's going to be a lot of pressure. And I just don't think... The big difference that I see between the Braves and the Phillies is I think the Braves young players are a touch more developed than the Phillies are. And I'm not talking about the new guys. I'm, I mean, McCutcheon, Harper, mm-hmm. Segura, the, Real Muto, those guys are all vets. I'm yeah. talking about Reese Hoskins, who's looked great so far, Fantastic by the way. Start. Fantastic start. Um, I'm talking about Odubel Herrera. Michael Franco's look very good. Mm-hmm. Lots of great signs so far. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you got Ronald Acuna Jr. with all the hype in the world who got his big extension. And Ozzy Albies, I believe, was an all-star last year. And by the way, both of those two were heavily disrespected with the contracts they signed. <laughs> yes. But that may be another story for another day. <laughs> but the, the, uh, essentially, Atlanta stole both those guys for the next six, seven years. Well, in terms of um, talent, that yeah. will be a story for another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I and then the other big thing is their pitching. I love Atlanta's pitching. I think this pitching coming into the year did not get enough respect. I really like a lot of these young pitchers, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Fulton Evish this year? Because last year he pitched like an ace. Yeah, he was great last he was, year. I, he threw game one last year, right? I believe in yeah. the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. In the playoff series. Um, they did have a couple of veteran guys who left the team. But what I like about the staff, it reminds me a little bit of where the Mets were a few years ago. Or, you know, you could make the comparison with the Indians with just a lot of these young guys who are really exciting to watch. Max Freed and Mike Soroka being a couple. And then they, the, the, the other thing is they've stacked the deck. They have so many top prospects right now. Coming into the year, they had like eight top 100 prospects. Mm -hmm. So their help is on the way. They're going to get some more of these guys. They added some great veteran leaders in Donaldson and McCann, which great homecoming story with McCann. So I, I'm in on the Braves this year. That's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think the Braves are going to be a threat all season. And you touched on a couple guys. Max Freed's looked phenomenal. I think he is definitely a name to look out for. Um, I would name him, you know, a big time breakout candidate in terms of a starting pitcher this year, kind of yeah. onto the scene. Uh, and Soraka is the same way. I think you're right. I think when you look at the young pitching, especially between these two teams, um, 
I would probably give the edge to the Braves as well. Um, I don't think the Braves have a guy on their staff right now as good as Aaron Nola, so I would give the ace advantage to the Phils. Um, and in terms of lineup, a one through nine, uh, or I guess a one through eight, you know, I think I give a little bit advantage to the Phils. Honestly, I don't see a guy in their order, you know, that can hit nearly as well for average as Gene Segura. Um, I think in terms of veteran leadership, and, and you touched on that a little bit, you said some of the young guys on the Phils. I think quietly the signing of McCutcheon will help a lot yeah. with that. I think Real Muto, you know, he's a veteran. He's been fantastic. He's one of the best defensive catchers in the league, along with his bat. Um, he's been phenomenal so far. So I give a big edge to the Phils behind the plate. I know Brian McCann, a veteran, a guy who has gotten it done, uh, but I just think Real Muto is a far, uh, a far better player at this point. Um, and just one through nine, I think the Phils have a little advantage in terms of some of those bottom guys too. You know, the Braves do have a couple weak links towards the bottom of the order. Uh, you know, Dansby Swanson's never been a great hitter. Um, McCann, Got off to a great start this he, year. He did. He did. Um, at least so far, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Donaldson, how much does he have left? Um, but you look at, I mean, Michael Franco in the Phil's lineup when everybody's healthy, he's hitting eighth and he's hitting 260 with eight, nine bombs already. Um, so that is a, that is a serious weapon towards the end of that order. But I'm with you, Jack. I think these two teams probably are the two primaries. Honestly, if we would have been, if we would have talked three weeks ago, I would have said the Nats would have been right there. I was a little bit big on the Nats heading into the season. Um, Understandably so it, with that pitching staff. Well, yeah, I think the staff is, and I think it's good enough to where I think they will be there all season. I know they're six under 500 right now, but they're, I mean, no team's going to be able to win when they're missing like four out of their top five, six bats. Um, I, I expect Washington to be there. I think the Mets finished fourth in this division. Um, and obviously Miami fifth. What I love about baseball right now is though you look at all these teams and even Miami, but the top four, there's some guys with some serious upside. And we'll talk about it in every division right now. Baseball's yeah. in a great spot with some of these young guys everywhere, man. I mean, Reese Hoskins yeah. for the Phils, Acuna for Atlanta. Uh, uh, Washington has Robles and, uh, uh, the Mets have Alonzo. I mean, these are, t these are teams, but just guys who just so much excitement. And even if you're str your team's struggling, you still have some guys to cheer for. And I like, I like that a lot, um, with where the league is at right now. Yeah. And also I think there are a lot of going off that specifically young pitchers right now mm -hmm. that there's a young guy on each staff that I really love to watch. Cause I, I like watching dominant pitching. Yep. Um, so yeah, lots of guys. We'll get to them. Let's go over the NL central. Um, but just to finalize this, you've got the Phillies and I've got the Braves. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go to the NL central. How about this division? Oh yeah. How about this division? And I know you, <laughs> I know your take <laughs> on these teams and I know how high mm -hmm. you are on even some of the lower tier teams in this division. Yep. So I'm going to let you lead off here. I know how you feel about the Cubs. Uh, let's start. I know you really, really liked what Cincy did this offseason. Let's start there. Yeah, I like Cincy. Um, I don't think coming into this year, I actually thought they were still going to be the fifth best team in the division just based on division strength. Mm -hmm. But I think they're probably a year away from really being a legit 
contender in this division. It's been a weird start for them because I believe if if the stat is still correct, it was correct last week, they were top in the National League in ERA. They had the lowest ERA. Really? So their pitching, <laughs> which has been their kryptonite, uh-huh. is their strongest suit right now. They're not hitting right now. I And one of the biggest things, the reason why I'm lower on them than I was like around February mm-hmm. is losing Scooter Jeanette. He has been such a consistent cog in that lineup for the last two years where last year, 310, yep. 25 homers, I believe, um, 100 RBIs, does not get enough love. No one loves Scooter Jeanette more than I do. <laughs> that is a fair, <laughs> fair quote right there. I've heard more about Scooter Jeanette in the past two years from you than anywhere else combined <laughs> did it did it make you respect him more? I, I, I would say yeah i would say my views on him and maybe the reds as a whole changed a little bit paying attention paying more attention to him but there are still a lot of guys to like in this reds lineup in terms of young players uh jesse winker is a guy that was one of my sleeper picks in fantasy uh this year i he quietly in his over his last two years 300 batting average 400 OBP he's a nice player um and I think he could take that next step into one of the guys that we talk about who's maybe an all-star there's always I mean you gotta love Suarez he had a great year last year gotta love Votto Puig is always exciting to watch (laughs) so even while this team might not be a strong contender maybe they end up around I don't know 75 80 wins they're still going to be so fun to watch and they're not going to be an easy team that you could just where two years ago, you could look at the schedule. You say, okay, we got four games at home against Cincinnati. We'll take three of those uh-huh. easily. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. I would agree with you looking at this team. I mean, Jack, they're only five games under 500 and their, their star players are all hitting under 235. I mean, <laughs> it, it, looking at that, you have to think maybe there's better upside here and this team could potentially be around a 500 team. I mean, of course you said the pitching has been really good so far and maybe that doesn't hold up, but, and that's also without Alex Wood, who I thought would be their best pitcher this year. Exactly. But I mean, Suarez, 231, Votto, 226, Puig, 208. I mean, these are guys who they really need to be key contributors, obviously. Um, and have struggled early on. And really that's the reason they're five games under 500. I may, I, you know, I may have to, I may think this, looking at this, uh, (laughs) this looks like a 500 team. If these guys can hit to their potential. Um, Of course, I don't think their pitching is necessarily as good as it has been as a whole. Um, I expect some of these guys to come down to earth a little bit. Tanner Roark has been great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I respect, I respect Tanner Roark. I just don't know if he can keep that going for a full season. Um, but yes, they Castillo's have Castillo's legit though. True. They have gotten some good innings um, from some of these guys. Yes. Castillo is probably, I would say the has the best chance to maintain what he's done so far this season. I mean, Tanner Roark, that's the guy from the nationals, correct? Yep. <clears throat> yeah. He was, uh, not a great piece for them. <laughs> I like the Sonny Gray ad because he was a guy who either won the Cy Young uh, in 2015 or he was the, the runner-up mm-hmm. um, 
he was terrific out in Oakland, struggled in New York, and a lot of people chalk that up to high-pressure situation, New York media, and him just being a guy that likes to be in a smaller market and not have that big pressure. Since um, he's a great so fit, yeah. Great place to go is Cincinnati. <laughs> I mean, it is a hitter's park. Yeah. Um, but I like the ad. They extended him. I think it was like a three- or four-year deal, 10 a year. And that's a that is the potential to pay off. Now I I don't know if he's a Cy Young guy again, but I think he's a very good pitcher, and I believe he's been under four this year in terms of ERA. Yeah, he's like at a three eight, I think. When's Scooter yeah. set to come back? Do you know? It might not be till June or July. What was that? Is it its horn growing? Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, because I'm just thinking you put his bat in this order and some of these guys start heating up and this can start yeah. to turn into a legitimate offense. Um, but he, he could be like, there's a chance he might not be playing out until August. Like gotcha. it's, yeah, he yeah. reminds me a lot of Segura for the Phils just because of the consistency in terms of just getting on base, being a menace, being a guy who can hit 300 for you. Um, just think that was the Brewers double play combo like four years ago. <laughs> I think the Brewers are okay with where they're at right now, though. Yeah. <laughs> but they may be happy to have those two guys along with it. <laughs> no doubt about it's it. It's interesting for the Brewers because they put both, well, they traded Segura, they put Scooter on waivers, and so they lost both those guys, and it's not like they commanded a real great return on Segura mm-hmm. based on what we've seen yet. But then they also got Jesus Aguilar off waivers, mm-hmm. so... And he was he was great last year. He's slow start so far, but uh, they I guess give and you shall receive. Give and you shall. Yeah, I mean that's a heck of a fun. <laughs> yeah, he had a great. How many Aguilar had thirty five plus bombs last year, didn't he? Yeah, two ninety. I want to say he hit. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's off to a really slow start this season. That's a good transition into the Brewers, though. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Yelich is doing Yelich things. I guess it's it's fair to say last year wasn't a fluke by any means. This guy hasn't hit under 280 <laughs> in, a, in a season yet in the major leagues. Uh, Jack, I mean, they're five over right now. They won the division a year ago. Is this a team you think, obviously, is, is, is they're going to be there all season? It looks like it right now. I mean, they did hit a rough last couple weeks. Have Not having Yelich for a whole week, they, no one... No one can hit. Yeah. No one was hitting. He was carrying their offense throughout April. My concern with the Brewers, and here's here's how I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna spoil my pick. We'll touch on it in a second. I did pick the Cardinals as the division champs, um, and basically I I said it's either gonna be the Cubs or the Brewers that's gonna be the wild card team, and it's gonna be which team stays. Does which team does not come unglued this year? Mm-hmm. Because there, you could see it going either way for both teams with the Cubs and Madden's last year, and maybe not adding a whole lot to the team. Uh, who the Cubs have looked great so far. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Right now, it's looking like the Cubs are going to be. Maybe they win the division, but right now, it's looking like the Cubs have the edge over the Brewers. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago. The Brewers were looking like the team to beat in the NL Central. I think it's going to be going back and forth all year. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the one concern that I had about the Brewers coming into this season was just how much of their bullpen did they use last year and how much is going to be remaining this year. Because we've seen some of these guys get used a whole lot down the stretch just to get 
down to game seven of the NLCS or even if you go to the World Series, whatever. And then the next year, a lot of those relievers aren't throwing as hard, spend a little time in the DL. Yes, I'm still going to call it the DL. (laughs) (laughs) No IL for you? No, no. Not buying in? No. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, that's a big concern because their bullpen was probably the was the best in the national league i would say last year yeah i mean they have some serious serious weapons in this bullpen obviously it starts with josh Hader, um yeah and he's put together a solid start to this season as well although maybe maybe by his standards no but i think he's over a three era but um you know still dominating in the fashion that he has and did last year I see where you're going here. I think obvious, I think there's no question about it. This team is going to be here all season. Um, is Yelich going to say stay as just ridiculously hot as he has been so far this year? No, I don't expect him to hit 340 all year. And what was he at? 15 homers already. It's freaking. Yeah, before he got injured, they said that he was on pace to hit 80. Yeah, I mean, it's May, what, May 8th, May 9th, May 7th. May 7th. Yeah, May 7th, and Christian Yelich has 15 homers. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think he's slashing at like a 450 OBP so far. Um, clearly, I think if he stays healthy, and, and we saw what this lineup kind of does without him in that short week that you mentioned, I mean, he's back now, and I think they've won four straight. Um, yeah. So I think it shows how crucial he really is to this team. My question is, he still is the most valuable player in the National League by he definition. Is, he is indeed. My question is, I mean, this I do like the addition for this team of Gio Gonzalez. I thought quietly, you know, yeah. I think and Grandall, too. Yeah, that's a good one as well. I think, you know, I just think Gio still has something left. I think he was kind of disrespected by a lot of teams. Um, and what, what he comes into this rotation, what is like a five or he's going to act as, as, as if he's a five. Gio Gonzalez is better than a lot of fives out there. Um, so I like quietly. I thought that was quietly a very good signing. Um, I just think this team, you know, from top to bottom is talented enough to be here all season. You still have Kane. You still have Braun. They got yeah. stock is back. I thought Grandal was a solid signing. Um, you know, I just think there's enough here with Aguilar as well. In the everyday lineup, this team's here all year. Um, and if they don't win a division, they're not my choice to be a division winner, but I do like them to be a wild card uh, this season. All right, interesting. Well, I'm, pr- I'm not going to, you know, I will say the wild card thing, it's basically just flip a coin between this team and the Cubs. For me, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. the way I see I it. I just yeah, I think that's the way a lot of people view this division. To be quite honest with you, I mean that's yeah. where we're at. That's where we're at with a lot of these teams. The top three teams in this division, I think you can make a case for all three of them, and there's not really a true argument to it. One thing that you mentioned in terms of Kane and Yelich, yeah. I think that goes unnoticed by a lot of the casual baseball fans is the importance of outfield defense. That's something that I'm very high on I think is very important Mm -hmm. um in the Brewers last year I believe were number one in the National League in defensive runs saved in terms of outfield uh with those two guys Mm -hmm. and whoever the third guy was because they had a platoon with right field Ryan Braun and you name it I was looking at something where it was like the top four teams last year in outfield runs or uh, defensive runs saved among outfielders combined were uh, 
the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Braves, and the Rockies, I believe, was the top four. Sounds like and a those were, pretty important stat. <laughs> those were the yeah. those were your four NLDS teams. Uh-huh. I'm gonna have to fact check that to make sure how right it is, but it's something along those lines. At least three of those teams were in the top four. Or oh, you know what? It was they were four of the top five. The the other team was the Diamondbacks. Yeah. So who had a great year up until the final month? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think defense is heavily overrated in the MLB. Everybody's always going to look at the numbers. You know, what are they hitting? How many homers do they have? How many RBIs do they have? Are they stealing any bases? You're never really talking about how they are defensively. Um, Did you say overrated or underrated? Uh, underrated. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No doubt about it, underrated. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, pitchers can be very happy when you have guys like Yelich and Kane making plays out there for you. I'll put, yes. it, I'll put it at that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Cardinals. Uh, so did you have the Cardinals winning this division too? Uh, no, I did not. I have them as oh. I have them as a wild card as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm big on this division. I think this division's good enough to where I would not be one bit surprised if there's three playoff teams. Yeah, I the reason, the thing that's keep holding me back from that is the fact that your two teams, if we're looking at those three teams as being the three potentially three of the best teams in the National League, maybe the three best teams in the National League, because that happened like the the first year the Cubs made the playoffs, 2015. Those three are te- Cardinals, Pirates, and Cubs were the top three records in the NL. But back then, the Brewers and the Reds were really bad. And I think since you have even your four and five teams that you're looking at potentially mm-hmm. are really good in the sense of the pirates who quietly won, I believe 84 games last year. It's 82, 82. Mm-hmm. They won 82 games last year. No one's talking about them. They have a great pitching staff. It's just going to be hard to get all those wins. Uh, when you, you don't have a soft team that you can gang up on in terms of Miami or San Francisco or Arizona. Um, so that, that's hey, Arizona's what's, off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But, but they, are. they looked like they're rebuilding. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's what's kept me from thinking okay. uh, two NL wildcard or NL Central wildcard teams. But I'll, I'll guess I'll tell you real quick why I like the Cardinals. And then I guess you can make your argument for the Cubs. Okay. Because. You surprised me with that. I was not (laughs) (laughs) expecting that. I love the Paul Goldschmidt edition. I think it was the best off-season acquisition, Mm -hmm. um, which you might not agree with. No, I think it was a great, phenomenal acquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I like. Yeah, I get where you're. I get what you were hinting at there. (laughs) Yeah, you like Harper (laughs) Goldschmidt, who just seems like a St. Louis guy. He has an infectious great clubhouse personality in terms of a leader. He can just step into a clubhouse. There's a lot of hype from scouts and rival GMs that were saying that Goldschmidt alone can make the Cardinals 10 games better this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just from a leadership and play aspect, he was my National League MVP pick. I picked him in the Fantasy League. I think he's going to have a great year. He seems like a Cardinal. He's a great fielder. Uh, and I think Ozuna, if he's healthy, that's a great 3-4 or 2-3 because now I guess everyone likes to put their best hitter in the two spot mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, those two guys with Matt Carpenter, Paul D. Young is playing amazing, and they have 
maybe the, well, I'd probably say second best pitching staff in this division behind the Pirates. Mm -hmm. But they have a really good pitching staff. They have a lot of depth. The thing that I think was holding them back those few years where they missed the playoffs, last year included, no star power. They had a lot of guys who were really good, like maybe a 7 or 8 out of 10, but no stars. Now they got the star power. They got a leader. I'm, I think this team's going to have a great year. I'm completely with you. I mean, that's why I have them making the postseason. Because honestly, I think this is going to be a tough year for a lot of teams. Like, I think the NL all year long is going to be really, really competitive. And I think those wild card spots are going to come down to the last couple of days of the season because there's going to be so many teams, I think, kind of right in the mix of it. Um, I love the Goldschmidt signing, obviously. Fantastic. I trade, love, but trade. Sorry. And then yes, trade, yes. Uh, and then the extension, yes. Um, I th- I just think he brings so much, and you kind of touched on it just in terms of just his presence in the lineup, but he's the type of hitter who just makes your entire lineup better. It's not just you're putting Paul Goldschmidt in, in the spot here. You're, you're making Azuna better. You're making the guys around him better. Jajong has had a good year as well that you touched on. Um, this staff, I'm not as high on the staff as you are. Um, Flaherty and Mikolas at one and two, I really, really like that combo. I just, it's hard for me to put too much of an investment in a guy like Wainwright at this point. Um, you know, he hasn't been great the past couple of years, obviously. Um, I, he's been over like a four or five ERA so far this year. And the same, I have the same feeling with him as I do Waka. Um, it's just, I don't know. These guys are veterans, you know, Waka had a pretty good season last season. Um, I just don't know how much those guys have really left in the tank in terms of, being kind of elite starters or at least very good starters in this league. Um, Is Carlos Martinez ever going to pitch again? That's a fair <laughs> question. <laughs> a fair question. And I think out of their five spot right now is who Dakota Hudson, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's who the Phil's are that Phil's play him tonight. Um, but again, he was like a, he was a reliever last year. Who's now into a starting role. So I'm not as big on this. I think, Flaherty and Mikolas is a great one-two punch. It's just after that, there's kind of some question marks for me with this rotation. Um, but I do really, really like what they did lineup-wise, and I think they no doubt got better. Um, and I, I think they're going to be there all season. Um, do you want to transition to the Cubbies now? Yeah, and one other guy, I was just going to respond to your pitching thing, which I, I, I guess they're probably... They're pretty close to the Cubs in terms of pitching. I'd say those two teams are probably right behind the Pirates. Pirates have the best pitching staff in the division, in my opinion. Um, but I think they're they're pretty equal to each other in terms of pitching, I should say. Um, and then the other thing I was just going to say is that there is one guy that I like who has bounced from AAA to the show. He's pitching the bullpen. That's Daniel Potts de Leon who had a great start for them last year. If he gets another chance to start, look out for him, because I think he could be really good. Interesting. Okay. Definitely keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the the Cubs. Um, so I'll tell you why I'm not as high on them. coming. I was not as high on them coming into the season as you may have been. Uh, lots of concerns in terms of bullpen, which really did not look good at the start of the season. Starting pitching has improved since the start of the season, but really, I just kind of feel like the Cubs are doubling down on something that didn't quite get them 
where they wanted to be last year mm-hmm. in terms of they did not win the division. They lost some guys in the form of Murphy and they had they sent down Ian Happ to AAA. Oh, Happ, okay. So yep. a lot of the depth that's been there over the last few years when they've been winning the division, you could go back even further when they had Dexter Fowler, when they had Jorge Soler, Chris Coughlin, mm-hmm. lots of depth. Zobris is a little older. I just didn't see them doing a whole lot to make their lineup better from last year, which is a lineup that had 40 games where they scored one run or fewer. Mm -hmm. So that was another concern that I don't think a lot of people talked about. I would have liked to see them add a Michael Brantley or add a uh, McCutcheon, even some, get some, another one, just get some veteran leadership in there too. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they have have room in that outfield? (laughs) Well, it depends on how you look at that yeah, outfield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where I want to, I'm going to give one more take on the Cubs here and then I'm going to turn it over to you. Mm-hmm. And that is just, uh, that's a, this is a question I have about managing. And that would be right now you've got, I think in order for the Cubs to get back to winning the division, they're going to need bigger contributions out of some of the young guys who we've talked about for a few years, we want it like we got the Cubs got to get Kyle Schwarber. He needs to up his game this year. Oh, there's no doubt about Albert, it. Albert Almora Jr. needs to up his game. Like we need to get a bigger contribution out of these two players. And so what boggles my mind, it doesn't make sense to me, is why neither of these guys are playing every day to start the season where, in my opinion, the best way to develop a young player is to get them as many big league at bats. If they've succeeded at every level and now they're at the bigs, get them at bats every day. Get them playing every day. And right now, you don't have the kind of depth and competition. Whereas last year, I could understand you wanted to get Hap in there a little bit. He's another guy who's a top 10 pick. Both these guys, top 10 picks. I think at this point, early in the season, these two guys should be playing every single day, getting comfortable. And if they, at the midway through the season, if you're in July or August and neither of them are, you look at them and you're like, neither of them could be everyday players, then you add someone at the deadline, do whatever you got to do. But I think the the only way you're going to de- be able to develop these guys is to toss them in there and see what you got. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. I mean, who, who loses out there? Is that David Boat losing out? starts is that if you're trying to get one of those guys in every day yeah it's uh Bodie but it's also Zobrist Zobrist is one of I think he's got like he's got more at bats than Almora does and Zobrist famously uh or infamously (laughs) last week asked to be taken out of the lineup because he thought Bodie should be playing instead and Zobrist has said in the past he says I am a role player right now. I'm a bench player. That's something he said at spring training last year. And for whatever reason, Joe loves Zobris. Maybe it goes back to their time in Tampa, but I would much rather have Zobris just taking it easy because we know what he's going to give the Cubs in October. He's a clutch hitter. You want, I want him in October. I want to save him. I don't want him getting hurt. He's at age 38 now. I want to see these young guys get some playing time consistently just to see what we got in them and Schwarber has gotten to play a good amount but he's not playing every day and I for whatever reason Almora is just still 
stuck on the bench. He's playing like half the time. And it. I don't understand why those two players aren't treated equally because I see them as equals and I want to see them both playing all the time. Well, this, I mean, it's it, that's an interesting quote. I, I did not know Zobris said that. But I mean, this is a guy in Zobris that hit over 300 last year and pay, played what, like 135, 140 games. Yeah. Um, so clearly, highest batting average of his yeah, career. Yeah, clearly, there's something left in the tank there. Um, I'm with you completely. I get where you're coming from. I get the frustration. You're a big Albert Almora guy. <laughs> yeah. He's not getting the at bats that you feel he deserves. Um, I think that they're kind of honestly in jam here. And what doesn't help is having to play Brian up. I, I know they. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's completely fair. <laughs> they don't have to, but I think that's kind of what's causing it. Um, is Bryant getting some starts out there now? And now that's taken a, the, the daily starts off of either Schwarber or Elmore because they need they want Bodie in the lineup. Um, why I'm high on this team, Jack? I think, I mean, this is a team that was right there last year, all the way to 163, and I'm, I'm sure we have a, a lot of people we talk to still are discussing 163. Um, um, they were right there last year and they didn't even get that like there was some in my opinion underachievers Chris Bryant hit 270 last year but he missed a lot of play a lot he missed a lot of games I mean he's a former MVP Jack and if he's able to come back to form I feel like that could be just a gigantic boost obviously for this team I will say one thing I'm very excited, or very, not excited, surprised about, <laughs> not excited, not excited about the Cubs, um, surprised about, <laughs> I, I was anti-hobby bias all last year. I, I was thinking, this is a this is a fluke, you know, it's the classic, a guy figures it out for a season and comes back to reality. He, I mean, he's answered, the, he's answered the call. There's no doubt about it, he's answered yeah. the call. Um, he's looking yeah. like a true superstar. I can't believe the power he's hitting for now. If you're getting, if you have a shortstop that's able to hit 35 bombs, you know how much of an advantage that is uh, yeah. across the league. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. I I got to tip my cap honestly because that yeah. that was a guy who you know in the past I probably had disrespected. Um, he's been phenomenal. Um, but heading to the year, I was that was one of my big questions. I thought he could stay consistent um, and kind of have at least kind of the same type of year as he had a year ago and you get more from Bryant and maybe Rizzo kind of, you know, Rizzo, ugh, yeah, you never know what you're getting from Rizzo either. Cause he's so streaky, but if he can put together <laughs> kind of the vintage Rizzo season where he hits 280, you know, he gives you 25, 30 bombs all of a sudden, you know, that's a really dang good middle of the lineup with a MVP type Chris Bryant, or at least a, you know, a star Chris Bryant, yeah, and, like 98, say 75% of MVP Chris Bryant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With Rizzo in the middle of that order, with Javi Baez, you know, at the top of that order. So there's a lot. also Wilson Contreras, yeah, uh, that, prime candidate for a bounce back yeah, here this year. Yeah, yeah, Wilson Contreras is another one. He's been really good so far this year, Jack, over 300. Um, and, you know, I haven't even touched on, I don't expect much from Schwarber this year. I never really have expected anything from Schwarber. He'll hit home runs. He'll hit low 200s. Um, I'm not big on the David Bodie plan either. I, <laughs> that doesn't make too much sense to me. I think it makes more sense for this team to play a Schwarber or an Almora every day in the outfield. Play both of them. Yeah, or both of them, and then play a Brian at third. Um, but regardless, one thing very happy to see is Jason Hayward. 
Yes. Off to a yep. very good start. He's been disrespected. He put together quietly a good year last year for the Cubs. He's putting together another good year so far this year. I want to touch on one quick thing you said about Bodie. Yep. I just want to say, Bodie right now, he's hitting around 269. He's A lot of people are really excited about him. This is like his upside, though. Like, this is his ceiling. And yep, I think that's fair. If you talk about Kyle Schwarber, what his ceiling is, I mean, people have talked about him as an MVP candidate, and I don't necessarily <laughs> think he's that. But he's, what, he's had some big moments for the Cubs. That's a big bat it, at his very best. That if he can develop, he could be a great player, or a very good player at least. Albert Elmore Jr., I look at him as a guy who his upside is maybe a five-time gold glove winner. So I I look at the upside there That's fair. in terms of those couple guys. That's fair. Whereas Bodie, it's like, hey, he can stick on the roster. He's fine. But this is this is his ceiling right now. Yeah. And I mean, he's, you know, he's hitting 268. Um, and it's not a slouch by any means. Uh, it's yeah. a good bat to have no, in the lineup. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he could make a great guy off the bench. Um, yeah. if you're able to get one of those other guys in this lineup. But I do think Jack 1 through 8 in this lineup is is probably as good as any other in this division. Um, and, and then, Jack, when it comes to the, the starting, the staff of the Cubs, um, I know you said Pirates probably at 1, and then, what, Cards at 2? Cubs or Cardinals. Uh, Cubs or Cards. Yeah, Interchangeable. I, you know, initially I didn't really like the look of this staff just because there are some question marks, you know, how much does Hamels have left? Can you Darvish turn the table? Can Quintana kind of get back to, you know, a, at least a guy who's mid threes to upper threes ERA is probably what you want or would be really happy without a Quintana. Um, and he's been just that so far. Um, I like this staff a lot given the experience. I think that is where this staff will perform best. Um, and I think that's where that's, that's, the staff is just as dangerous. Because you look at the cards, their top two are young guys. You look at the Cubs, their top two are John Lester and Cole Hamels. Those are two guys yeah. who have won big-time ball games when it has mattered in the postseason. You sold me. You sold me. <laughs> so <laughs> And Cole Hamels. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And, and Kyle Hendricks, really, too. I mean, he's pitched big games as well um, and won some big games for the Cubs, too. Um, yeah. So to me, I mean, when I look at this staff, you know, and down the stretch, I think if this team can get in, if this team can get there and get in, um, and I think their lineup's good enough all year, and I think these guys will be good enough, um, I really like this team's chances given the staff and given, you know, some bounce backs. You're going to need some bounce backs. Can you Darvish bounce back? And I know he hasn't been very good so far this season, but you're looking at you Darvish differently this year because a year ago you were looking at him as, well, maybe he needs to be the number one. Maybe he needs to be the number two. Yeah. You're looking at you Darvish right now as the number five. Um, yeah. So even though he's off to a slow start, you know, you got some other guys can who can hold their weight in this rotation. So I really like this rotation. Um, and to be quite honest with you, over the offseason, I probably wouldn't have been too big on this rotation. But looking at all the rosters in this division, I really do like the make out um, uh, of the veteran leadership and the veterans within the staff. Let me give you a 60-second rundown on the Pirates. Do it. Because <laughs> we can't we can't leave them neglected. Do it. <laughs> we got all the Pittsburgh listeners who are going to be mad. <laughs> We're big in Pittsburgh. Yeah, knock it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Pirates did not get a whole lot of talk 
coming into the season. The Reds got a lot more attention because of their offseason moves. I really like this Pirates pitching staff and Trevor Williams, Jamison Tyon. Jordan Lyles has been really good to start the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see how long that holds up. He, he's been a guy who's shown some good promise at times, but has always managed to get hurt. Uh, and that's not even talking about Chris Archer, who was brought over as a veteran, kind of like how Arietta was brought over the Phillies to be a good mentor for some of these young guys. So their pitching is very good. Like they're, Oh, and that's not even mentioning uh, Joe Musgrove either, mm-hmm. who's looked fantastic. They got in the Garrett Cole trade. Lineup is not as impressive because as like the Reds. I like to think that if you combine the Pirates and the Reds, if they could just merge, they would be able to gang up on the other three teams <laughs> with the <laughs> with the Reds hitting, with the Pirates pitching. But I do like Josh Bell a lot. I think he's a star on the rise. He's another one of those guys that I was looking at. He could take a big step this year, switch hitter. Uh, has looked so he's looked good so far. I like their outfield still with Polanco, Marte, and Dickerson, but Dickerson is injured at the moment. So I think this team will likely end up right around the way they did last year, which was 82 wins. Uh, but hey, they could be. I mean, they were they were buyers at the deadline last year. Don't be surprised if they sneak in there if one of these other teams were to come off the rails. Yeah, I think this team just needs to develop a couple guys too, right? You need to develop some of these bats. Um, and there's some good bats in this lineup. There's just not any, you know, star, superstar type bats in yeah. this lineup. You know, the Marte, Starling Marte has been a good player uh, in this league for a couple of years now. You touched on Bell, obviously a good player. Cervelli has kind of been a pretty good catcher behind the plate. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, always I, hits very well at Wrigley, <laughs> the Wrigley killer. Um, but yeah, I'm with you on the staff. A lot of young talent. Um, I'm not big on Chris, Chris Archer or really even as a veteran. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I, I don't know how much, you know, he actually brings as a veteran to me. He see, you would think, I think he's a young guy, but he has been in the league for a couple of years now that it's yeah. like, wow, Chris Archer, you're supposed to break out this year and that year and that year. And it never truly really happened. Well, he looks good in some metrics, but the ERA yeah. hasn't done him too many favors. And one thing I will say about that is the AL East, all those hitters parks True. and DH and everything. So maybe, it, maybe it's a little different. Teams are playing either. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's a little different spending a whole year in the NL. But so maybe, yeah, maybe, he, maybe he can put it together for Pittsburgh this year. Um, I think this is the fourth best team in the division. Eh. Now that I think about it, I, I could see it going either way between them and the Reds. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't think either will be contending for even a wild card spot. But I don't think I don't think either of these teams will be horrible either. I think you know they'll both be seventy-seven to maybe eighty-two wins. Okay, okay, maybe maybe a little less for the lower tier, whichever ends up a little lower. I think they both, in terms of like what's their ceiling, at, at, it, you could say this about any team in terms of a perfect world. I'd probably say 85 wins as like their their best year they could have. That's fair. Um, maybe, maybe the Pirates a little higher than that, like 87 or 88. But realistically, right around 500. I think that's fair for sure. So let's go out west, Jordan. Uh, coming into the season, how were what was your read on this division? Um, you know, I thought the NL West heading into this year was interesting because you have a team like 
San Francisco, where initially this offseason, they kind of got themselves, Jack, into the Harper talks. Um, and you were wondering kind of if this yeah. team was going to make a big splash or something in terms of a big-time free agent. Uh, they didn't end up landing him. And then you kind of looked at this team and thought, well, that's probably going to be the worst team in this division heading in. Um, they have some older guys. The po- Buster Posey's still playing. <laughs> Feels like Buster Posey's been in the league for so long. Um, he was only drafted like 10 know, years it's, ago. It's too. ridiculous. I feel like I've been talking about Buster Posey forever. Um, but heading into this year, I mean, you looked at this division. I thought the Dodgers were the clear favorite. Um, I did like a couple moves that San Diego made. And one of them yeah. obviously bringing in Manny Machado. And that was huge. But I was, I'm really excited that they went the route to get Tatis Jr. up um, right off the get-go yes. as well. Um, I mean, Jack, to be quite honest with you, that's going to be one of the best left sides of the infield in the league for a long time. Uh, yes. <laughs> that is an extremely, extremely talented left side of the infield. Um, and I mean, this team has some players too, right? The the Padres do. Eric Hosmer is still there. Uh, Will Myers. They have some players. Um, and it, I thought heading in, this was kind of an intriguing team in this division, you know, making the moves that they made. Uh, having some good young arms, Chris Paddock. Have you seen him pitch yet, Jack? Yeah, he's on my fantasy oh. team. He's been the sheriff. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> he wears that he cowboy electric. hat. Yeah, he is electric. I love the emotion he throws or shows on the mound as well. Um, so I, honestly, this is it's a fun team to watch with yeah. a couple of their everyday position guys, a couple of young pitchers. Um, so heading into the year, I kind of like them to potentially be, you know, finish towards the top of this division, either second or third. I thought Colorado would be right there as well. Um, and I know we, we touched on Arizona a little bit in kind of how we thought they would be rebuilding. They've gotten off to a good start so far this year at 20 and 16. But I do think in terms of, you know, heading into the year, I felt that they were going to be kind of a three or a four team in this division. Yeah, they made moves that look like rebuild moves because they traded Paul Goldschmidt uh, prior to his contract mm-hmm. here. However, they're playing well, so we'll, time will tell. Will they be the Rays from last year, where everyone was talking about the Rays being that uh, team that was tanking real hard and they won 90-something games? Uh, we're going to have a fun conversation about the Rays in a little bit, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I it's tough to tell. I I think, they're, I think the Diamondbacks are going to end up kind of like Seattle did where they had a great first month and then fall off pretty quick. Um, but they mm-hmm. do have some good pitchers still. They still got Robbie Ray, who is very underrated. I don't know what the status is on Taiwan Walker. I don't think he's pitching this year. Is he still out from Tommy John? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, but they they brought in Luke Weaver. So th- there's some pitchers to like about the staff, some young guys that are still... This is still going to serve them well moving forward. And then, you know, another loss was the Steven Souza Jr. ACL tear at spring training at the mm-hmm. very end of spring training. So I, I don't have very high hopes for the Diamondbacks, but I did like the Adam Jones pickup. I think he got I think he only got like two and a half million for a, on a one year deal. And that's a and that steal. Was, that was, was that following the Souza Jr.? Did they do that beforehand? I can't remember. Uh, I'm not sure, but. Okay. Yeah. I think Sousa Jr. ended up tearing it after the season had started. And no, Jones it, it was, was at spring that, training. It was at spring training. Oh, it was yep. at spring training? Okay. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I think the Diamondbacks, look, there's a couple guys. And honestly, Adam Jones, for the deal he got, he's had a great year so far, hitting 275 yeah. um, as an everyday guy playing the outfield for this team. Um, you touched on their ro- rotation. I do really like the rotation here for the Diamondbacks. Obviously, Granky at the top. And then yeah, I didn't even Ray. mention Granky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to. I was thinking <laughs> you might trade him. him so. Well, yeah, and he's off to a great start, Jack. He's 5-1 and one with a 3-4-2 ERA so far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are some intriguing parts, and they've gotten off to a good start. It's just I I don't know if they have any, enough bats to kind of stick, stick around yeah. towards the top of this division as the year goes on. Yeah, and San Diego, I'm with you on. I also came into this season, I'm like, you know, I think this team is probably going to be one that's just a touch over 500. That was my read on them. You know, they could mm-hmm. stick in that wild card race. I don't think they'll end up in the wild card spot, but I thought they could be a, I, I would say surprise, but I don't think it's that big of a surprise, especially when you bring in a player of Manny Machado's caliber over the offseason. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would also, Jordan, I'm going to have another take that you may disagree with. I like the Machado contract more than I like the Harper contract. No, I get it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I when it came to these two guys, and it was, you know, which one's the better player? Um uh, you know, there there's certain numbers for both guys, obviously. Yeah. But I think there's one clear difference, Jack, and as if it's if Manny Machado is playing third base, yeah. he's a far better defender yep. uh, than Harper is in right field. Yeah. And with Tatis Jr. at short for this team, he's going to play third base every day. Um, and yeah, I think I'm. I mean, I'm not going to go out and say <laughs> I love the contract much more than my boy Bryce. Um, but I will say that given. That was my one worry with Machado is he would end up somewhere and play shortstop. I think given that he's playing third base for this team, and obviously Tatis Jr. is on the IL right now, so I think Machado's been playing some short. But um, when healthy, he'll play a lot of third base. And I thought that was one of the keys for him when it came to whichever team ended up signing him. Also, eight years versus 13 years. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to, yeah, I I get it. Um, But you do need to wonder, you know, if, if uh, the NL does adapt to DH, Harper could be a very good DH. Still a 13 um, year contract, though. Yeah, but it's 36, 37, 38. But, you know, it's the, it's the upper 30s. It's not like you're paying him when he's 43, 44. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah, I, I get where you're going. The other one, I was going to pose to you this question because. My dad asked me this question for just no reason today, and I thought, hey, this could be this could fit our conversation. If you had the choice, play in any anywhere in the major leagues, uh, you know, you can toss out one, two, three places, whatever. Where would you want to play in terms of a city? Not not really accounting for the ballpark, but what what organization would you want to play with? Um. Are you pointing this towards San Diego? Should be yeah. near the top of that list. It would for it would be for me. <laughs> Aside from yeah, I, the taxes that you're going to lose from your contract out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, in terms of cities, San Diego's got to be up there and uh, just the, one of the nicer cities in the league. I just visited there for work yeah. a couple weeks ago, and I was mind blown almost of how nice the city is. So well taken care of. Uh, people are fantastic there. Yeah, very it's not like, friendly. Yes, very friendly and very calm. Yes. It felt like a very calm city. It's not New York. It's not Chicago where there's people running up and down the sidewalks over and over and over again. 
Um, it just felt like a very calm city, and you're right, very friendly city. I think, yeah, I think San Diego would probably be near the top of that list, if, especially if I'm talking about places to live. Yeah. Uh, and given you're playing, now you're going to live there at least during the season. Um, that would be up there for me. That's a good question. Um, I'd have to put a little bit more thought into it. Um, but I would think West Coast probably would primarily be where I would want to end up. Yeah, and some guys, hey, some guys like the pressure. Some guys like mm-hmm. to be in the the pinstripes or Course, whatever yeah. but if you're giving me the choice between big market and small market i just have a smaller market personality as a whole i'm not mm-hmm. really drawn to big cities um i like to visit them don't really love living in them um but yeah i think san diego is an awesome place to play i would love to play for fans that aren't going to you just start shouting stuff at me or booing me when I <laughs> go on a little bit of a, a slump. Yeah. And that's happened in Philly. That's happened in Chicago. That happens in, you know, a lot of East coast places. Are you Boston, saying you're going to slump? We, I mean, we had a softball season and you, you put together a pretty complete season <laughs> <laughs> before I got injured. Yeah. But for the senior campaign, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're on the IL all, all season long. DL. <laughs> but, uh, hey, it's the IL now. <laughs> but it was the DL then. Yeah, um, DL then. Good point. So I would, yeah, I would, I would point till San to San Diego, and past that, I mean, look, I, I would think about LA and Anaheim too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I was, I was looking up and down, kind of while you were talking there, and yeah, I think the Angels <laughs> would be a great fit. Um, you know, San Francisco would be pretty, <laughs> pretty high quality. Um, there's a lot of West Coast teams. Even Colorado, I think, would be really cool. Yeah, get your um, numbers up as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Yep, great. Hey, yeah, I guess if we're talking, you know, where a hitter wants to end up, there's no better place in Colorado. So, um, yeah, I would think some a lot of those West Coast teams, I think, would be the majority of people's primary choices. Yeah. So I, I really, I, I totally understand why Machado went to the Padres. I think it was a great fit. Warm weather, too. The yep, Northern yep, California, yep. not quite as nice, but Southern California, 80 degrees pretty consistently. Not going to get much hotter than that, and I can mm-hmm. totally get used to that. So, well, Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to complain about 65 and sunny either, 70 and <laughs> yeah. sunny. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, Northern <laughs> California can work as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about some of these other teams you brought up. I really loved the addition of Daniel Murphy to the Colorado Rockies. I think he's he just came back from his injury. I think he's going to have a really good year. He might he could bat three fifty in that park. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I mean, when you brought his name up, that's what I was going to touch on. Is there's not a better park for him to play in. Um, and I mean, year in, year out, he's proven to be Jack, one of the better hitters in terms of average in the league. Um, he's just a guy who gets it done regardless of where he's at. Cause he's been all over the place. Now he was with, yeah. he's with the Nats, the Cubs for that stint. Now he's out in Colorado. Um, was he with anybody before the Nats? The Mets. The Mets. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah, always remember uh, that yeah. Mets series. <laughs> oh, uh, that was a, bru- I think I went to one of those games in that series. Yeah. I was there too. My yard. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so he's kind of been all over the place and really everywhere he's been in terms of his bat, he's produced shit. Yeah. So they lost LeMayhew, but LeMayhew had a down year last year. You replace that bat with Murphy, who is going to play first base. So they do lose some defense in LeMayhew, who is a gold glover. I like this team a lot. I like their young pitching staff. This team's come out of the gate 
slowly they've they were had a very slow start started to play a little better but they've i think they're slumping right now but kyle freeland is one of my favorite pitchers to watch in this league there are a couple other guys on this pitching staff as young guys that are very intriguing to me and i think if you can get a couple of them to take the next step in their development their pitching staff could be pretty good Uh, and that's herman marquez who almost threw a no hitter earlier uh, a couple weeks ago and then you've got Tyler Anderson and John Gray John Gray being that top three pick who was either picked the pick before the pick after Chris Bryant in that 2013 draft Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on that guy I like him I hope he you know I hope he takes that next step because there's always that pressure when you're top three pick and especially as a pitcher so that, I think, is going to be a big key for their success this year. I actually ended up picking as the division champs. Interesting. Yeah, I, they've gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. I think they're 16 and 20. Yeah, looking at the standing, 16 and 20. But a lot of that has to do with a lot of other guys underachieving so far. Three of their everyday guys are in the 100, uh, 198, 186, and 177. Ian Desmond, Hampson, yeah. and Reynolds. And then... If, I think Murphy's back. Murphy's fully back now. Uh, yeah. He's not. Is he playing? He's not playing every day, is he? He will be. Yeah, I think he will be. Okay, so he's kind of. He's back now, and I think that takes Reynolds out of the everyday lineup at first. Yeah. Um, Murphy's Murphy, only Murphy has been playing every day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start too since he's been back. He's only hitting 180. So there are some bats in this lineup that have been underachieving. Um, and that's kind of led to, I think, this slow start. And along with that, Jack, uh, a couple of their arms have gotten off to slow starts too. I mean, Freeland, Freeland's only two and five with a five nine so far, and he's coming off a really, really good year a year ago. Yeah. Um, so had a DL stint as well. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I mean, if he can get back to form, that'll kind of be a key piece um, to kind of propel them. Again, I think them and the Padres will be battling for second in this division. Um, I like those two teams to finish second and third, and I like the Dodgers uh, to win this division. Yeah, if there's one pick that I could change, it would be <laughs> the Dodgers because after the season started, I'm like, it's just it seems so obvious that the Dodgers are, and now they've got Seager back. They've got <laughs> Bellinger is playing like an MVP. They have been at Bueller too as a is emerging as an ace type pitcher so that team looks fantastic i do wonder however if they're gonna have the juice to get back to a third straight world series yeah and i think the big thing there is potentially the rotation um you know they have these guys who they've had forever kent maeda uh ryan you bueller's been there bueller's off to a pretty solid start this season um, Rich Hill, and, and yeah, yeah, Rich Hill, and I mean, how much does Kershaw have left? That's a, that's probably a key question too. Um, yeah. I just think the lineup is good enough to win this division straight out. Though they have one of the better lineups in the NL, um, and that's without Cody Bellinger hitting 400 plus with <laughs> what 14, 15 bombs already. Yeah, you said MVP. Yeah, I mean, he's playing like literally the best player in baseball right now. Yeah. Um, you touched on getting Seager back. You know, they have Muncie in that lineup. They have Justin Turner. They have Jock P. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of powers. The same guys they've really had for a couple seasons now. It's just a very dangerous lineup. And in terms of this division, I think that lineup, given that, you know, some of these starting pitchers have good seasons, I think it's easily good enough to win this division. 
Yeah, and I do think God bless the Giants. They're doing everything they can to keep competing. <laughs> I like the I like them going out and giving getting Kevin Pillar, who's an outstanding defensive center fielder. That's a tough park to play center field in. That was a really nice pickup, but they're just I don't see them getting back to where they've been in the past. They're the Giants are kind of like where the Blackhawks were. You win three titles in five years, and then you just drop off really quick. Yeah, and I mean, it's time for a rebuild. When they were in the Harper talks, it was almost like this just doesn't make much sense. It wasn't a great fit in terms of, you know, you sign a big guy like that, you're trying to go for it, right? Yeah. Getting Bryce Harper, you know, one of those guys at 26, 27, 28, you're trying to win a World Series. You look at their everyday lineup, this just isn't a lineup, I don't think, that you know, has a chance to really contend right now. A lot of guys who have been there for a long time, um, but are kind of on the downsides of their careers. The Buster Poseys, uh, the Brandon Crawfords, the Longorias, you know, these guys, they've been in the league and they've had great careers. Sandoval's still there. I think maybe even Sandoval is there. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they brought him back last yeah, year, him I believe. Back, yeah, And they, um, Jeff Samarja and Johnny Cueto, yeah, yeah. I list. mean, yeah, all these guys. I, I do think Bumgarner is an interesting name to watch because I do think they may look to deal him at the deadline um, yeah. to a potential contending team. So from this roster, that could be a name to look out for um, for a guy who may end up on a different team this season and potentially, obviously, given his history, make a big impact come playoff time. Yeah, it's also Bochi's last season with the club. So I think they wanted to they didn't want to tear it all down for him. Uh, they may do that at the de- trade deadline. We'll see. But I, I like the fact that they're at least trying to win. Um, and I, I got nothing against teams that want to rebuild. I, and I don't like it when people call it tanking in baseball. We've talked about this before. Yeah, not the same they're, thing. Yeah, they're not actively trying to lose games. They're <laughs> simply trying they're just to... not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trade Please. everyone who has value so that you can win as many games as you can in two or three years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're not getting uh, the number one pick in terms of a guy ready to play right now in the in the, in the, uh, the baseball side of things. So I had I'll give you my NL picks right now, and then we'll go over to the AL. And okay. I okay, so I had your division champs, the Braves, Cardinals, and Rockies, and then I had as the wild cards I had the Dodgers in there keep going back and forth between Cubs and Brewers. <laughs> I, I talked about how that has been so tough to pick one of those two teams, but I feel like for my own, the sake of my own safety, I better pick the Cubs. So you have, so you have Milwaukee missing the playoffs then? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. My picks, um, I have the Phils winning the East. I have the Cubs winning the Central and I have the Dodgers winning the West. And then I have um, Milwaukee and St. Louis as my two wild cards. And if I look at the standings right now, I am a hundred percent correct. So I'm hoping it stays that way all. Se- <laughs> hoping it stays that way all season long. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I said it earlier, but the main thing for me is I just I think that NL Central is going to be so tough that it's going to be really difficult for there to be three teams that all have good enough records in a crowded mm-hmm. National League. 
Um, whereas I do think whether it's the Dodgers or the Rockies in that wild card spot, they're going to benefit from playing the Giants. They're going to benefit from playing the Diamondbacks. Um, but look, those teams aren't that much of an easy out either. <laughs> they're not the Marlins. There's one easy not the team, Marlins. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think there's one easy team in terms. And, and I mean, that could propel the Braves or the Phils. You know, that could be, in your case, the Phils could yeah. make a wild card run just because they get to play the Marlins. Um, yeah. I would say, yeah, my first team out would definitely be the Braves. Um, would you have a I first team Brewers. out? Brewers okay. and then Phillies. Okay, gotcha. And then Padres probably. Padres and Pirates being the two after that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, I think Colorado would probably be right there for me. So, I mean, we have the same teams, just a little flip-flop on the division winners here and there. And a yeah. Wild cards. Well, it's good when we disagree. It's good, it's good for the podcast. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. All right, let's go out to the AL East. Jordan, I'm ready for a hot take. Uh-oh. I am going to tell you, which I would have told you three weeks ago when we were initially going to record this, uh, did not work out because of my health and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to pencil in the Rays as your AL East division champs. Jack? the Yankees have had maybe two or three of their everyday starters for the past month and they're two games back of heavily heavily overachieving race team so far this season well are they overachieving because we saw I I think it's a fair question like all right I want to look up right now I want to look up what their record was in the second half of last season uh because I believe they had the best record in the American League in the second half. Really? Yes. So you're really, uh, so you're all in on the Rays then here. Yeah. Right off in, the get go, where we swapped to the AL and you were all in on the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the thing is, is that, and I've texted you a lot about this. Have not talked about it on the podcast, but. I read a book this past off season. I, I highly recommend it. It was about the Tampa Bay Rays, and this was from uh, this was about the team ten years ago when they went to the World Series. And it's called "The Extra Two Percent: um, How Wall Street Strategies Took a Team from Worst to First. And there's a lot of really good stuff in there about how the Rays do business. It's kind of a Moneyball type read mm-hmm. in the sense of this is a team that does not have the same kind of uh, all right, I, I don't know how I'm going to find this. This is going to be too long for me to find the second half record. But take my word for it, they have one of the best second half records because they started off very slowly last year. The, so this book is really good. Uh, Jonah Carey wrote it, who wrote for Grantland. I think he's at Sports Illustrated right now. And there's just a lot of really neat stuff in there if you're interested in front office stuff. And it's essentially, it's stock market strategies where you buy low and you sell high. Mm-hmm. And so the, what the Rays have done is they've sold high on players because they don't, they're not going to be able to extend a whole lot of guys and they get a nice haul back. So they sold high on Chris Archer and look at what they got in Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now who Tyler Glass now is pitching like a Cy Young candidate at the moment. Uh, I think he has been the Cy Young so far, Jay. Yeah. 6-0 and with a one four seven, Phenomenal, phenomenal start for him. He also, they also bought low on him because he was struggling in Pittsburgh. When it comes to the Rays, I'm going to be honest with you, heading into the season, I did not have them as a playoff team. Um, 
I had them as a potential, you know, sleeper type team that can make a run and, you know, can kind of battle for a wild card spot. Um, I, I didn't think the staff would be as good as it's been so far this season. I mean, it, it's been absolutely phenomenal. You're getting a great yes. year out of Charlie Morton so far at age 35. Um, he's got a 2.52 ERA. Blake Snell has been pretty good so far this season. Um, Glass now obviously touched on him. Heading into the year, I, I you know I wouldn't have expected the staff to be as good as it's been this year. Um, so tip my cap there. I just don't know if this lineup, Jack, I, I don't know if they're good enough to contend, especially in this division. Um, when you stack it up against the Yanks everyday lineup when healthy, of course, and you stack it up against Boston's everyday lineup. Um, I, I, unless that pitching, unless their pitching kind of is consistent in terms of as good as they've been so far this year. Um, I would expect kind of in the next two months, a bit of a slide for the Rays. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised, if you know likes of the Yanks when some of these guys come back and Boston you know a Boston run is coming at some point um, if both those teams kind of uh, hop over the race in terms of the division but again tip of the cap for the start um, and you know in terms of talent you know they've got a lot of young guys got some good young arms and some good young everyday guys that are producing for them so um, I guess there is a lot to look forward to here uh, for the race. Yeah, you, you talk about in terms of some of those position players, Austin Meadows, Brandon Lau. I still don't know why it's Lau and not Low. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's hitting over 300 then, so far this year. He's been great. Tommy Pham was another guy they bought low on. Great. Another great. That was a great move. Um, yeah. So they're, they're really, if you're someone that's really into front office stuff and I analytics, which I'm not the mo- biggest analytically driven baseball mind, but I appreciate them. They're really neat. I love watching these kind of teams like Oakland's done it in the past. These yep. sleeper teams that figure out the cheat codes and they're ahead of the curve. And you really got to be ahead of the curve if you're one of these kind of organizations, because what happened after the A's started doing the on-base percentage stuff? Everyone wanted to copy that. Everybody and, picks up on it, yeah. And most of those teams have a lot more money than you do, so they're able to perfect it a little better than you can. Rays have won two division titles, by the way, 2008-2010, uh, which were big shocks both those years, even after they won the World Series, or won the pennant, lost to the Phillies in the World Series. There you go, Jordan. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the shout out. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's really cool to have the Rays back. Um, it takes, it took them a little bit. You sometimes you, you got to blow the whole thing up. Takes a few years, but I think that I love their pitching staff. I really like watching some of these position players, and I think they're going to be there this whole year. It's going to be between them and the Yankees. I honestly don't think the Red Sox are going to catch up at the rate that they're playing at right now. I think Mesa big month for them and if they mm-hmm. continue at the pace they're at they're gonna be dead in the water pretty soon because this is a tough division to make up ground in oh 100 but boston is seven and three in their last 10 um they got off to a really really start really really bad start and they're already only one game under 500 so i would expect boston to make a run here um so you have do you have the okay you have tampa bay winning the division and then the yanks at two I have the Yankees. Yeah. I have, okay, I have the Yankees winning this division, um, 
And obviously it looked a little better when half the roster wasn't on the IL. <laughs> um, but I still think this team's good enough. I mean, the way they've hung on with all those guys on the IL is almost incredible, Jack. There's seven games over 500. Um, and they've been missing key, key guys. Stanton's been out. Um, Judge has been out. Bird's been out. I mean, there's a, it can go on and on and on. Um, but this team has hung on. Uh and I wasn't huge on their staff heading the year, um, but I did think there were some guys who could produce good innings. Obviously, Tanaka is going to give you good innings. I can't believe CC Sabathia is still pitching well at, <laughs> at age 38, but he is. I mean, he, he's still getting outs. He's still doing a great job. He's off to a good start. He's a 3-2 ERA. And uh, maybe the shock for them, Jack, or, uh, is their starter Domingo German, German, um, He's off to a six and one start with a two, three, five ERA. He's kind of been the, the rock in this rotation so far that has held this team together so far. Um, so they have so many injuries. And I, I didn't even touch on, you know, Dee Gregorius has been out. Hicks has hurt. Uh, Ellsbury's hurt. Batances is hurt. I mean, there's, there's, you can go on and on. Paxton was supposed to be a key guy in the staff. He's been hurt. And there's still seven games over 500. You have to believe that when these guys start coming back, the Yanks are set for a major run. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would push back on is that they may have had the easiest schedule in the league so far in terms of, I'm looking at it right now, uh, they've played Detroit, Baltimore, the White Sox, the Red Sox while they're playing badly, the Royals, the Angels, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, and now the Mariners, who are also not playing well. So... (laughs) But you can't penalize them for that because you got to win those games. And so they're taking care of business. It will be interesting to see how good this team looks mm-hmm. once everyone comes back. I think this is a team that's playing in October. I just, I I like the Rays a lot. I think the Rays are going to win the division. And I'm glad you touched on your, their schedule there. I think it's been a huge blessing <laughs> that, they yes. had that they've had that schedule given with all the injuries they've had. So when these guys start coming back and that schedule starts toughening up, you got your best guys out there. Um, and if I, I wanted to make a counter argument to my own argument that I just made, <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of great teams in the American League. So, I mean, it's not like... It might not get too much harder. That is it. Yeah, I mean that is a good point, um, especially looking at some of these other divisions, <laughs> yeah. the Central, <laughs> for example. Uh, moving <laughs> yes. on in this division, um, I have the Red Sox finishing second in this division. Obviously, coming off a fantastic season where they, we all know what they did, <laughs> but I mean, you had, you said you have these guys finishing third in this division, Jack, and. Yeah. I, I would guess not making the playoffs. Correct. Interesting. Um, I, I wrote them off early, I, I will admit. I mean, <laughs> coming in, I would have said Red Sox and Rays is your playoff teams, Yankees out. Mm-hmm. But what you've, what you've seen so far? Um, based on what I've yeah. seen so far, Yankees have been super impressive. Red Sox have not been. You do bring up the point that they've played a lot better. I'm concerned about Chris Sale, though. I, I know it's early, but the thing that concerns me about Chris Sale is his unorthodox throwing, his motion, his pitching mechanics. That's a guy that we've looked at in past years and said, mm-hmm. it, how sustainable is that for his career? 
Is he going to have to change the way he throws? Is this going to be a Lincecum type of situation? Now, I'm not saying that he's Tim Lincecum. I think Chris Hill's got a lot of productive baseball left. Mm -hmm. But I just don't know what you can count on from Chris Sale if you're expecting him to be an ace at this point. We, we'll we see. We'll see. But he's losing a lot of velocity, and I've not been too encouraged by what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, I think that you touched on a really key point, and I think it's the velocity. Now, the one thing you always do need to note in terms of velocity is – you know, some a lot of these pitchers sometimes have velocity drops in April when the weather's a little colder. Um, so maybe that, maybe that has played a role. I think his velocity numbers have been better as of late in his last two three starts. So again, maybe as the weather's warming up, um, his arm is as well, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think you make good points. I think because there is real concern for him. Um, and a lot of it had to and do. You could look at the rest of the pitching staff too. Oh, yeah, that's some I, question yeah. marks. Yeah, that's what I was getting to is that you have a lot of guys here who kind of overachieved or you know threw a lot better than kind of expected a year ago. You know, is is Rick Porcillo as good as he was a year ago? Um, David Price, you know, what can he give you? Um, you know, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, he was the guy, I think they brought him back, correct, Jack, this offseason? Yes. They signed yep. him. I thought that was a bit questionable just because I know he was great, what was that, in the postseason last year? Yeah. Um, but again, like, as a, as a starter, you know, he's never really shown that he can be great. I think he's already on the IL this year. Um, from 14 to 16, he had over four ERA every year. Um, and then kind of put together the good postseason, which I think was apparently what probably brought him back um, and why they brought him back. But he throws hard. They've got a lot of guys in this rotation that, you know, I think have good upside. I think, you know, David Price obviously has good upside. Chris Sale has great upside. Um, But I think you make a very good point in that, you know, they're kind of question marks at the same time. Um, and what, what are you going to get from it? And I think we've kind of seen early on this year, I think that's kind of been one of their big issues. These guys are struggling. Porcillo's over a five. Eduardo Rodriguez is over a five. Sales over a five. And Eovaldi's a six, ERA-wise. So, I mean, these are guys who have really, really struggled so far this season. Eovaldi also threw a lot of innings last postseason. Very fair. And that can be, that's also a concern. So, when yeah, you look already at, on the IL. Yeah, so... He's been injured too in the past, so mm-hmm. I I have concerns about them. I have written them off. I know it's early, but we'll see. Uh, Toronto is going to be a fun team to watch just in terms of similar to, let's compare them to maybe the Cubs from four years ago when you've got Vladdy Jr., the number one prospect in baseball coming up. And then you you also have uh, Bo Bichette, who's a top, I think he's like around 12 on a lot of lists. He's a top 15 prospect. He's a shortstop. And then you've got Craig Biggio's son is another guy who's a top 100 prospect. So they have some exciting prospects who are going to be making their debut this year. I don't really like how much pressure has been put on Vladdy Jr. already. Oh, but, oh it's been, uh, been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were projections, the projections on him were like hit 360 his rookie year in the majors. It's <laughs> like, I don't know if we should go that far. Um, and you touched on who was the shortstop prospect. Bo Bichette. Okay. He's not up right or not up yet. Correct. correct? Yeah. Okay. So he's probably in triple A. 
Uh, He's injured at the moment. Okay. You know, yeah, I'm hoping my boy Freddie Galvis can stay there and have a successful season. <laughs> <laughs> you know who uh, Eric Sogard has played well for them so far. Uh, he has. Yep. He has, uh, you know, really well actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I think you make a good point. There's some exciting young pieces here, but obviously I don't think this is a team that can compete in this division. Um, yeah. Stroman's gotten off to a really nice start. I know his yes. record's one in five, but he has a two, nine, six ERA. He's gotten off to a really nice start. So he's been a bright spot for this team. Um, and look, I think they're worth watching all year. I want to watch Vladdy Jr. hit. Um, so there are some pieces here, I think, that, you know, day in and day out. You know, if the Blue Jays are on TV, I think they're definitely worth tossing on and, and seeing a couple of these guys play. Yep, I would agree with that. Also, I cursed Strowman last year when I picked him as Cy Young, and he <laughs> had a very injury-riddled 2018 <laughs> campaign. Uh, so I'm not going to comment anything about Strowman other than I've been very encouraged by what I've seen so far. Yeah, really happy. Do we start. even spend time on Baltimore? Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm down to skip if you're down to skip, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just give a quick synopsis on this team. Uh, rookie manager uh, Brandon Hyde, who was a one of the coaches with the Cubs. I think he was the first base coach. He may have been a he was a bench coach last year, I believe. Uh, and this team's rebuilding. It's not pretty. Chris Davis started the season off to a historic slump. It, I felt horrible for the guy. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not too much to talk about other than the fact that Chris Davis is still in this everyday lineup and hitting 179. <laughs> yeah. And He's they still got to pay that for they do more indeed. years. They do indeed. That was one of the, uh, that's not a great looking contract as it continues to go on. Let's just say that. All right. Well, um, let's, let's try to do these next couple divisions a little quickly. Okay. Um, not spend as much time. Mm-hmm. AL central is very lackluster once again. <laughs> uh, yeah. As it has been, it feels. Has been for a very long yeah. time. The Indians, I know a lot of people were wondering about them because look, they were floating some trade rumors. It was basically, all right, what can we get for Kluber? It wasn't we're actively shopping him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people think they were trying to really trying to rebuild. I think they were just listening to what they could get, which a lot of teams are doing right now because why not? Yep. Um, this division is so bad, so bad that <laughs> even though they've lost, uh, gosh, they lost Michael Brantley, they've lost some other guys it shouldn't be too hard for them to win the division, but the twins are playing very well right now. And they have some exciting young guys. The one thing I will say with the twins, they are so puzzling to me every single year. I don't know what to expect from them (laughs) each year. Definitely a fair assessment. Um, Yeah. I think heading into this, I I picked Cleveland to win the division. Um, it really almost by default, Jack, to be quite honest with you. I'm a big Terry yeah. Francona guy, obviously. Yep. Um, I think he's one of the better. I managers. also did the same. Okay. I think he's one of the better managers in baseball. I liked them bringing Carlos Santana back, and it's worked out really well for them. Santana's put together a really nice season so far. 
Um, they're going to need more from Jose Ramirez. He's off to a really slow start, hitting under 200, 197. Um, but I do think that, like, you look at this staff, there's some good arms, Jack. Bauer is a great yeah. arm at the top. Shane Bieber's had a really nice season so far. And then you talk Kluber. I mean, those are three very nice arms. I know Kluber's on the IL and kind of has gotten off to a little slow start, but still a great starting pitcher. Um, there's a lot to like, I think, in terms of Cleveland. But I do think, I think you made a good point, is, you know, they were kind of looking around. Is it time to sell? I don't think this is an active World Series contender or anything like that. But I do think in this division, um, they're the best of the five that we have to select from here. <laughs> it, yeah, if the Twins can keep going at what they've done so far, I would, I mean, what we've seen from them, 22 and 12 yeah, so far. Really good start. Yeah, and their pitching has looked a lot better, which is very, that's going to be key for them because past Jose Barrios, it's been who's the number two guy. Kyle Gibson had a really good year last year. Um, but Odorisi, he's starting to he's starting to get it going. So this is this is a team that we'll see. But they've proven me they proved me wrong last year. I had them as a wild card team, and they really disappointed me. So I'm I also had the Indians, but I, the opportunity is right there for Detroit, Kansas City, or the White Sox. One of these teams, whoever's going to be there first to get their rebuild finished up should be able to push for, for, you know, push for the division once they're ready, but it doesn't look like any of them are ready. Yeah, the Twins have, they've, I think some of these arms have overachieved. You touch on a couple of them. Oda Rizzi, he's a guy who, he's had a couple of years where he's had in the mid-threes ERA-wise, but the last two, it looked like he was trending down. A year ago, he was like a 4-5 ERA. He's off to a really nice start here so far, but can he, conti- can he continue to produce at that level? Um, and Mart- Martin Perez who's really been their number two Jack and off to just a phenomenal start. Um, he's five and over the two, eight, three, but he was a guy with like a six, a six, two, two ERA before that. And I mean, he's been in the majors since 2012 and has only had one sub four ERA. So it's almost like how long can these starting pitchers continue to overproduce of what they've done in the past. But I will say like you touched on this division's wide open. So um, definitely, I think there is opportunity to make a splash if you're Minnesota and if maybe you're the White Sox or Kansas City, one of these teams. Yeah, and I don't have a whole lot to say about any of the three other teams except Kansas City. Okay. (laughs) Kansas City is a team that is one of my favorite bad teams to watch. And the reasoning behind that is there's not a team like them that has speed like them. No one else has the kind of speed they have in the form of Mondesi. They brought in Billy Hamilton. They've got Terrence Gore. They've got uh, Merrifield. Mm-hmm. They're going to steal a lot of bases this year. And I like watching some small ball. Oh, it's 100%. interesting how, yeah, it's interesting how the Royals laid a blueprint that a lot of teams have followed. Um, into the form of bullpenning. Everyone's going to their bullpen early, and when the Royals won the World Series, that was a big part of their format. They had these three lockdown guys, uh, Herrera, Wade Davis, Greg Holland. Everyone copied that, but no one has copied that small ball approach since they won the World Series. Mm -hmm. So I like watching small ball. I like watching balls in play and guys trying to take an extra base and plays at the plate and stealing bases. So 
I appreciate that out of them. I don't expect them to be very good because their pitching is pretty weak. Uh, but they have some they have some guys that are fun to watch. And also, I love Jorge Soler. <laughs> I just love him on a personal level. Yeah, I think you touched. I mean, you touched on the stolen base. They have three guys in the top ten so far for stolen bases. So really good start there as well. Not only having the speed, but using it. Um, I, I have a little bit to touch on with the White Sox since you know we probably have a lot of Chicago fans listening here. Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to be a division contender this year? Maybe not. But I do think, Jack, that it's it's very important that these young guys for them continue to progress. And Moncada's off to a fantastic start. He's slashing 290 so far. Um, and how about Tim Anderson? You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't think this is something that's going to last all season long. He's also batting like 130 over his last 10 okay. games. Okay. Just a no okay. but. Fair enough. Yeah, and I expected this slide. <laughs> But, I mean, he's still hitting 331. He's off to a phenomenal start. Yeah. He has six homers, 12 stolen bases. I think he leads the league in stolen bases. He does indeed. Um, so he's a very, very exciting player. And they have, obviously, Jimenez as well. This team has some young pieces. Um, so I would say maybe they don't compete for the division. But this is a very important year for the White Sox, and you need a lot of these young guys to begin to progress. Tim Anderson won the AL Player of the Month, uh, which is awesome. At age 26. Um, he also said today on Dan Lebitard's show that baseball is a boring sport and he does not watch anyone else play aside from when he's playing, which is not very awesome of a take. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, not a huge not a huge fan of that, but maybe that uh, maybe that's why he does the bat flips and such, try and make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing is just so funny to me just real quick the whole bat flip thing i don't care i don't love it don't hate it i just think it's funny when people are going gaga over a bat flip where it's like when i'm at a game and i see a guy hit a 400 homer 400 foot homer i'm watching the 400 foot you know, homer. Watching i'm watching the, the ball the batter's box. <laughs> yeah i'm not <laughs> watching what he does with his bat i'm not watching what angle is he going to drop his bat i just don't I don't get the obsession over that. I will. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, I am team bat flip because I like guys showing energy. But on the counter side of that, I like seeing the pitcher energy, too. So if you get a big strikeout like Paddock did the other night and you say you saw the I don't know if you saw the clip, but he showed some serious emotion coming off the mound. Was that on Alonzo? I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it was. He showed some serious yep. emotion. coming up. You know, if, if we're going to if the entire everybody's going to be OK with team bat flip, let's be OK with team pitcher emotion, too, and coming off the yeah. mound after a big strikeout. So I'm all for it. I think it makes the game more fun. Um, and that's pretty much all I've got to say on that topic. <laughs> yeah, I I'm thinking I might have someone else on the podcast sometime later this season just to talk about unwritten rules of baseball. I think it could be a fun conversation to really go deep in on but we're pressed for time here so we'll save that for another day sounds good uh let's go to the al west i'm sorry tigers fans but we're pressed <laughs> for time so such a shame we love the astros i love the brantley pickup i also like the a's okay where are you leaning here heading in, where were you leaning heading into the year oh well, I, I got the Astros winning the division, um, but I have I've got the A's in as a wild card team. I think both the A's and both the A's and the Rays were teams that a lot of people were like, "Oh, they peaked last year. No way they repeat that success." Mm-hmm. I really like the A's young core. 
They got a lot of really exciting players, and they play defense exceptionally well. Ramon Laureano is must-see TV in center field. That guy is so fun to watch. Chapman over at third, he's great. There are some really cool young players to watch on this team. Mm-hmm. And they've got some, there's a pitcher that they got, um, I think his name's Chris Bassett or Bassett. About. Yes. Yeah, he's he's off to a great start. Their bullpen was fantastic last year. And I think they're going to hang in there. They've started out very slowly. They're at 16 and 21, five and a half back. But I don't really see the Rangers or the Angels or the Mariners being super threatening. I think you can cover, I think you can come back from that in the AL, which I guess you could also say about the Red Sox. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I like the, I like the trajectory that the A's are on from last year. Yeah, I think it's a fair take. I'm with you in terms of division winner, like the Astros to win the division. Um, I think they're clearly the best team in this division and obviously one of the better teams in all of major league baseball as well. Um, I like as a potential number two in this division, I quietly like Seattle. Um, and Mm. really these final, the last four teams, I could see really this division going any way. Um, just because I think in terms of overall talent, all four of these teams are very close. Um, but I do like a couple guys on Seattle in, uh, in specific. I think D Gordon's a fantastic player. I've always been a D Gordon fan and he's kind of started to put it all together as a player. You know, he used to be a guy who, would just steal bases. Now he's hitting 301. Um, so he's off to a really good start. I do have questions about their rotation, but they do have a nice guy at the top of the rotation, Marco Gonzalez, who's off to a really good start this season. Um, a really young arm as well. Um, or I guess not that young anymore, but 27. But he's 5-1 and one with a 308 ERA. Um, you know, this team has some pieces, and I think enough pieces like I said, in this division to where really they, I think they're going to be here all season except behind the Astros. Um, and I mean, they just have a couple guys that I really like in their lineup too. Uh, Domingo Santana is a good player for them. Uh, Timmy Beckham is somehow putting together a pretty good season for them. Yeah. Uh, so they just have some guys. I, Jack, I'm not a huge fan to be quite honest with you of either of these four teams in this division behind Houston. Um, but I think of the four, I like the Mariners to finish second here. Okay. That's interesting. I, the Mariners have been very cold since their hot start. They're back at 500 now. So basically the way you're looking at the Mariners is similar to, you think they can do what the Rays did last year. Not, not to the same degree, um, or maybe not to the same Mm -hmm. degree, However, the Rays coming into last year where they were selling off parts, which the Mariners did, they made they sold off uh, Paxton, they sold off Cano. They were sellers, it looked like. Yeah. Um, so are you thinking that they're going to prove people wrong with some of these new guys that they brought in? Or do you think they could potentially be looking at dealing D. Gordon towards the deadline? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, they could make some moves like that. Um, I think it really depends on probably how this next month or so goes. Um, yeah, I, I did want to note too. They get Kyle Seager back. I think uh, towards maybe the end of May. Uh, he yeah. had a hand injury, I think. But currently, their shortstop. Oh, I guess 
it's Beckham, but um, I think Seager could be a solid piece for this team, maybe as a bench or maybe, you know, maybe get some starts on the left side of the infield. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair point, though. You know, in the next month or so, if things don't go well, this team very easily could be one that's selling at the deadline. Um, but I think if they're able to hang around, you know, maybe they try and make a splash uh, at the deadline to try and up their chances. Um, again, I don't think they're competing for a division title. Um but I do think this team could potentially uh, compete for a wild card spot. And really, Jack, what's a weak AL? <laughs> it feels like a very yes. weak AL. Um, yeah. So I think there's opportunity for some of these teams, like the Mariners, you know, like the Rangers, if they're able to hang around, like the the Trout Angels, or like you yeah. said, the Oakland. You know, any of these four teams really could make a run. Yeah, I don't think any of these teams are horribly bad. No. Like none of these teams are going to lose a hundred. And I think a lot of them, they, that could be their ceiling as a 89 win wildcard team, or maybe more wins than that. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But I, this is, this is quietly an interesting division because, because of that, that factor, the angels coming into this year, were definitely looking at trying to compete. They made some moves. They brought in Cody Allen, Tyler Skaggs, Matt Harvey up their pitching and uh, this offseason before, they brought in Cozart and Kinsler and lots of those guys. So they have a, an interesting mix over there. And Otani is going to come back. So, yeah, interesting division, to say the least. I would agree with you 100%. And the Rangers are another one of those teams where they might not be the best team. They might not be a playoff team. They probably I don't think they will be. I'm sorry, Anthony. I know you're listening sorry, to this. <laughs> I need to get Anthony on here sometime. You do. Um, He'd be a fun guest. Yeah, he well, would be. Hey, the, Ra- the Rangers have some fun guys, though, yes, man. Guys who are overachieving. Yep. Like, or maybe not overachieving, but guys who have um, maybe started to hit their peaks as players, like Joey Gallo. Like, a lot of – two years ago, we thought Gallo was going to just K, K, K. He would hit 40 bombs, but he'd hit, like, 200. Um, yeah. He's hitting 270 this year, Jack. That, that's maintainable. That is monstrous. As a guy who can hit 40 bombs and hit 270, you know, you're talking star status then. Um, yeah. Whereas, really, I think a lot of people just saw him as just a power threat. Um, Sin Su Chu at age 36 has put together <laughs> a really good year for them. He's hitting over 320. And Elvis Andrews hitting over 320 as well. So they have had some guys who have put together really good starts to the season. And Mike Miner at the top of that rotation is a really nice number one. So they could hang around as well. Yeah, I think they're kind of similar to the Reds. I was going to compare them to the Reds. And I, the, you ended up going in the direction that I was thinking mm-hmm. is this is a team that is going to be really fun to watch because they're going to score a lot of runs in these games. The pitching staff isn't great. Miner's been good. but. Yep. And that's a hitter's park. So you're going to have some really exciting Rangers games with the roster they have and some of those young guys. So that's another team that I will look forward to watching when they're on. Well, and yeah, I think along with that, you touched on the rotation. It's not great, but it does have some notable names, right? Guys who maybe aren't phenomenal producers year in, year out, but who have gotten it done in this league for a while. The Lance Lynn's of the world, the Drew Smiley's of the world. Uh, Shelby Miller's had some seasons. So, like, there are guys, while maybe they haven't put together great years, these are guys who, you know, have or can get it done. Um, and that could potentially propel this team. 
they, like I said, I, I could see any of these four teams kind of finishing second in this division, I think. Yeah. It'll be interesting to look for. You want to make a World Series pick now? Are we at that point? Or was there anything uh, else you want to get quick. in there? Touch on your ALs. We got to talk ALs. and uh, yeah. ALs. yeah, you're right. Okay, so I've got Astros, Indians, Rays. Those are my division winners. Okay. Yankees and A's as the wild card team. So those two teams would be in the wild card game for the second straight year. Okay. Um, I've been kind of swayed as we went through this podcast. <laughs> you kind of sold me a little bit on the raise, uh, uh, but I have the Yanks winning that division. I have Cleveland winning the division and I have Houston winning the division. And yeah, I think I'm going to go, this is a weird year for me because it's odd to pick two wildcard teams from the same division. But yeah. I do think this division is far superior, especially the top of it. Um, and I'm talking AL East here in terms of, I think Boston and Tampa may be my two wild card picks here. It's um, happened before. And it's the same thing I did in the NL yeah. this year too. So it's, yeah. it's kind of an odd year in that aspect where I think that could definitely be possible. Um, and as we went through this podcast, you kind of swayed me on the A's or not on the A's on Tampa. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> All I right. I like it. it. I'm going to roll with it. All right. So world series picks. Who do you got this year? The NL, I think, is so tough this year because any of these teams, I think, can make runs. Um, Did you say uh, tough or soft? Tough, tough. Okay, I was like, <laughs> I thought you said soft. I'm like, no. what? Um, I think Houston out of the AL. I think uh, them and the Yanks. I think will end up in the ALCS. Um, and on the NL side. God, I would love for it to be Phillies Cubs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be my dream series. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my Phils, and I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my dream series. I'm gonna have Phillies and Cubs in the NLCS. Okay. Uh, um, and I'm gonna have Cubs Astros with the Astros winning the World Series. All right, so we got the same AL team. I'm going Astros. Um, okay. I did not think about ALCS and LCS. I'm going to put no, the Rays no in the ALCS. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So not only winning the division, you're having them in the ALCS yeah. as well. Yeah. I think it's going to be a magical you are year. Pro, pro Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. <laughs> They're going to have to have like a Jack Vita day in Tampa because they just had a Brian yeah, Kenny and like Bobblehead because he's no been pro Tampa. They, they're going to have to recognize me at some point. No doubt about it. <laughs> um, National League, I've got... So I got the Astros in the World Series. I got the Cardinals against the Astros, which I think is going to be really cool because the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, they were in the same division. You know what? They met in 4 That was uh, the NLCS 4 when Brad Lidge gave up that homer, I think, off Pujols. So... I, I'm just going down memory lane right now, <laughs> but I think uh, I think those are going to be the two best teams this year. I think we're going to see them play each other, and I I'm not going to make an NLCS pick. I oh, I need your NLCS right. pick. Come on, throw it on. All out. right, I think it will be. Let's. I'm going to go with one of the AL West teams. I'll. I I would have told you. I'll go Dodgers. Dodgers? Okay. Yeah. So Dodgers cards and LCS? Yeah. 
Yep. Okay. Fair and enough. And then I'm going Cardinals over the Astros. Basically, I think a National League team's going to win this year. We've heard a lot over the last couple of years how the net from national media people who are like National League teams are just not on the same playing field as the American League. I completely disagree. The American League win totals last year were inflated from how bad the rest of the league was. Don't get me wrong. Red Sox and Astros were the best two teams in baseball last year. Um, mm-hmm. However, I think we're going to swing back to the National League, have a National League champ. I have the Cardinals winning the World Series. And I got the Strohs. I have the Astros. Yeah. And by the way, if my NLCS pick stands true and the Cubs actually beat the Phillies in the NLCS, I will never, I will, I don't know, Jack. I don't no know more I could, picks in the future? I don't know if I can. Yeah, I might have to retire. I might have to retire. I would, you'll, you'll, let's just say I would be the happiest in the world to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think I want the Cardinals to win the World Series? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's a tough thing about these picks. We have to be unbiased or yeah, at least we, try to be unbiased. We do a good job. And here's the thing. When I'm picking the Steelers to go to the AFC Championship game or whatever, I'm going to have them winning the division in September. People are going to mm-hmm. call me biased. Just listen back to this podcast and hear what <laughs> I had to say about the Cubs. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Did you make any MVP picks? Um, no, I... I didn't. I, I, I mean, in the AL, I'm always going to say Trout <laughs> just because, yeah. one, I'm a big Mike Trout fan. Two, I want him to win MVP so he gets the respect he deserves. Um, so I would say Trout in the AL. And then NL side of things, I mean, obviously right now, you would say Bellinger and uh, Yelich are the two clear favorites. I think Goldschmidt could be a sleeper in terms of the NL MVP. And honestly, if you want a big time sleeper, Reese Hoskins is off to a really good start <laughs> for the okay. Finals. He could put yeah. together. I mean, if he puts it all together, if he's he's hitting over three hundred right now, he's gonna have an opportunity to drive in a ton of runs for that offense all year long. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the top five or top six NL MVP voting this year. I know Harper might steal some of that from him, but Harper hasn't been good so far. So Hoskins would be a potential, especially if they win the division. I want to quote my friend Daniel Setsky, who made a very astute observation with the idea that it's Marcelo Zuna's turn to win an MVP because oh, Yelich won last year. Yelich won one last year. Mm-hmm. Stanton won two years ago. Mm-hmm. However, I'm going with a different Cardinal, which I mentioned on this podcast earlier. I've got Goldschmidt winning okay. the National League MVP. He was my pick. I'm not changing that pick. Did not think too hard about the American League, but Trout is always a safe pick. Yeah. Um, if I was <laughs> going to go with a second guy, I'd maybe go with someone like Lindor. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. It's just a guy who's on the rise. Who knows? Maybe he gets his has his MVP type season this year. And then rookies, I did not make Cy Young picks, but I did make rookies picks. Uh, I picked. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Aloy Jimenez. Jimenez has been a little bit slow out of the gate, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of lot of exciting rookies to watch for this year. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't make rookie picks um, or Cy Young, so I don't have any ready for you. I apologize for that. that that's fine. <laughs> We're going to end up jinxing these guys, so we should probably stop. Probably, yeah, for real. 
Well, Jordan, uh, before I send you off, I'm just going to tell you about what the listeners of Press On Sports can look forward to next week. Do you want to guess who's coming on here next week? Um, is he close with me? Uh, she. She is got Rachel Gerhardt coming on? Yep. Oh, nice. We Good are stuff. going to do a reality TV hour because... You've got the Bachelor premiere, or Bachelorette oh. premiere. <laughs> know you're very pumped up about uh-huh, that, Jordan. Fired up. Can't wait. Survivor finale. Um, Rachel, one of Rachel's favorite shows, The Challenge, is having their finale next week. And it's been a great, amazing race season so far, which I'm excited to talk about. So, Amazing Race. Is that The Rock's new show? Or is that The Rock's oh. show? No, okay. No. okay. Gotcha. Amazing Race has been on for like 15 20 years okay it's a show where people team up and they race across the world oh okay okay okay. i was see i was thinking i know the rock has a show it's like yeah yeah, titan like a ninja warrior yeah actually Um, lebron has the million dollar mile and it did not do well so they put the amazing race in that time slot because they gave him a big that show got big primetime time slot right after survivor Mm -hmm. and it did not do very well so they put the race back in that spot and the race has been cleaning up on that time slot so awesome yeah looking forward yeah. to that podcast <clears throat> check <Yeah>. it out <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll get you to start watching one of these shows <laughs> yeah you guys are gonna have to really sell me to get me to watch some of them <laughs> <laughs> all right so jordan uh thank you so much for joining me today anything you want to plug on here social media handles anything uh social media handle at real Morandini on twitter and i will say normally i just plug like my socials on this um yeah. but the company i'm currently working for Flipmass, um we do a lot of advertising so if there's anybody who has connections or anything uh connections to companies works for companies who are looking for social media advertising please reach out to me um and i will see if we can hook you up that's what the company does, um, and we're doing really well right now. So if anybody awesome. tuning in has an opportunity or has any connections there of people looking for social media advertising, that's my plug that I'm sounds, sending. That's my plug yeah, I'm sending today, great. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, I will talk to you again sometime soon later this season. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about with baseball there's the NBA finals. Eventually we'll see if I end up watching this year. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Hey, I tell you one thing, it's going to be really uh, tonight is a big game, Jack. Yeah. We, I'll probably watch the world needs James Harden to come through. (laughs) Yeah. We need something new. You know, I'm, I will say I am excited about the prospect of these East finals in terms of Kawhi versus Giannis, because Giannis has gotten a lot of a lot of the hype this year. He might win MVP and deservedly so. Kawhi has been for a long time a guy that has been underappreciated in a little bit just because he doesn't talk a whole lot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't show a whole lot of personality. He's very humble. Um, so I think you're gonna have a really cool showdown in terms of like a classic superstar duel that we haven't had in a long time in the east because i like it too because the, the teams don't really have those set like kyle lowry yeah Pascal exactly Siakam, and then ooh, chris middleton you know it's kind of yeah. you're right a true superstar battle so yeah i think that could be a very very entertaining series if both those teams are able to close out their current ones yeah and you, you know i would love to see the celtics in there but 
uh, if if this is the case, it's going to feel like a 90s style showdown, which I think is going to be really cool. And these are the two guys that I feel like most people are talking about who is the king of the East in terms of who's the best player in the East. Is it Kawhi or is it Giannis? So I think that could be a really cool showdown. Completely agree. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jordan. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank you for having me as always. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Morandini there right for you. Had a great time talking with him today, talking baseball. Feels great to be back. I'm so happy to be back on the podcast. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe to Press On Sports on iTunes. You'll never miss an episode where we've got a YouTube channel and there are lots of places you can find us. But if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be a great help. Tune in next week to hear my conversation with Rachel Gerhardt as we talk reality TV. We'll probably talk a little baseball in there as well. Other than that, that's it for now. See you next time. Bring in the Dancing Lobsters.